Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Damn, it feels good to be back. I feel it so much better now. Thank you so much. I'm at, that, I'm at that beautiful stage of laryngitis now where I'm just coughing up concrete-like chunks of my lungs and the material contained within them. The antibiotics are working. God bless the pharmaceutical companies. Damn, it feels good to be back. Thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with you once again after such a long time away. It feels like forever. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Ha, ha, ha. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Come on now. I know you did. I missed, I missed you too. Ah, ah. Feels good to be back. The voice is getting back to 100%. Not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. I feel like I've come back at like a game or two early, but I'm going to play myself back into match fitness. So I appreciate your patience. We'll see how we go. Uh, I have been taking copious amounts of pseudoephedrine, painkillers, average painkillers, throat sprays. (laughs) I've been gargling with this hideous red shit that I I don't know what's in it and I don't want to know what's in it. It tastes like a, a petroleum byproduct. But for some reason, it helps. So I've been gargling with that and taking antibiotics and, of course, washing them down with good old Australian beer. Mm-mm-mm. It's good to be back. I've missed so much. Missed so much fun. How are you doing? How are you going? How are you going over there, eh? Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to my American brothers and sisters. Congratulations on not getting into another family argument on yet another holiday. You have a lot of holidays over there. So happy Thanksgiving for that. Going to get into some interesting stuff tonight. A couple of articles that I want to break down, discuss with you. Uh, In recent times, the immigration debate has become more and more pronounced. And it's, it's, I'm very happy because I'm one of these people who uh, have been accused of all kinds of things in the past for merely bringing up fact and uh, data and numbers. So we're going to go over that, and we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss the real motivation behind the reason that some of these articles are coming out. But before all that, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to send me some antibiotics, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Yes, Trust and Verify last night. That was a lot of fun. It was a great show. Uh, If you missed it, follow at TAV Show. Myself and the Flying Hawaiian, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, James R., ladies and gentlemen, the man who only has Hawaiian shirts in his wardrobe and he's proud of it. That's how tough James is. He walks around every day wearing a Hawaiian shirt. You don't fuck with those guys. (laughs) The only reason you would wear a Hawaiian shirt every single day is either you're not tough at all or you're really tough. Like, there's no grey area. There's no in-between. 
Before we get to our main topic tonight, there is something I want to discuss with you and I want to take it seriously just for a moment. And I want to follow on the back of uh, one of my favorite streamers, uh, Nightwave Radio, Mersh on Nightwave Radio, who was talking about this the other night. Um, and if you missed it, uh, go back to his archive on YouTube. And I, I can't remember what the show was called. I think it was called something like We're Getting Out of Here or something, Clear, clear the Decks, maybe. And we're talking about the Brave Browser. And I recently signed up to the Brave Browser and I'm I'm not trying to do a sales pitch. Everybody gets used to their own platforms. They get used to the products that they like using. I've been using Firefox for as long as I can remember, probably since it came out, I think. So I knew Firefox back to front, didn't have any problems with Firefox, but I have made the switch to the Brave Browser. And there's a reason. So, well, there's a few reasons actually. Number one, if we if we're serious like you know on this show if you go back through my podcast archive i've done show after show after show on internet freedom uh the power of the you know the tech companies in the internet space the removal of basic freedoms on the internet you know internet freedom is like a it's like a flickering flame that's just about to be extinguished and at some point even though uh firefox you know people say it's not that bad and stuff I felt like, well, if I'm really going to discuss these things, I have to bite the bullet because there are things coming down the pipeline which are probably going to have a tremendously bad effect on internet freedom and this content creation space that we're engaged in. So I downloaded the Brave browser and I installed it. And you can see right here. So this is the Brave browser homepage. It's, a, it's an ad blocker and a tracker blocker at the same time. Uh, it's totally secure. It doesn't track your data like Google does. It doesn't farm your data like Google does. It doesn't sell your data off. It's all encrypted. So, you know, just in this session, it's blocked 6,000 ad and track blockers for me. But there's another reason here. And I know that people, myself included, have reservations about cryptocurrency. Brave is... Um, joined at the hip with a cryptocurrency called BAT or basic attention token. <laughs> so when you sign up to the Brave browser and you get an account, and like I said, it's all private, um, you get a crypto wallet called Uphold. And just for browsing the internet, you will accumulate cryptocurrency in the form of basic attention tokens. So as you can see here, just so this month, which is two days, I've earned 17 cents worth of cryptocurrency. 17 cents worth of basic attention tokens. The other thing you can do with these basic attention tokens, so you can like send you, you can upload your own money to it and convert it into basic attention tokens and then take it back. And, you know, so if you earn crypto, you can uh, release it to your bank account and take the money back out. The reason that this is important, and I'm trying to get other people onto this as well. And again, I need to give a shout out to uh, Mersh on Nightwave Radio who's really been instrumental in getting this ball rolling. And now a lot of people are starting to talk about this and move the ball forward. So I'm trying to get other people onto it. I'm trying to get James onto it as well. James has a much bigger platform than me. So some of the benefits, right? So if you like a content creator on the Brave browser, if you like, just say you like me, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you, but you might, you, you might like me. If you want to send a tip my way, a little fiduciary commitment 
then you just click on this little icon here, the Brave Rewards, and it comes up. You can send a tip directly in the browser. Now, this isn't about, yes, the Brave browser. I've, uh, I tweeted out a referral link. So if you use my referral link and you use Brave for 30 days, Brave will send me money. They will send me moolah, which is always nice. I'm not going to turn down money. I'm not Mother Teresa here. I'm not going to stop people from using condoms and I'm not going to turn down money. <laughs> okay? So you can send a tip to your favorite content creators directly in the browser. The reason that I'm saying this, it's not for send me money, send me money, send me money. Because I have some you know, great supporters on Patreon who support this show, who send me a tip every month, and I'm greatly appreciative of that. Um, as you know, I only spruik the Patreon at the start of the show and the end of the show. So I'm not sending me any, sending me money, send me money. The reason I'm telling you this is because it adds a layer of protection. If you really enjoy a content creator, if you really enjoy, you know, uh, an individual who's creative and is, is doing something that you like on the internet, the best way to ensure that they're going to be able to keep doing it is by supporting them. But we run into problems now because you'll see content creators that you like are starting to get banned off Patreon, banned off PayPal. In some extreme cases, they're getting their bank accounts in real life taken off them because of things they say on the internet. What cryptocurrency allows us to do is support our favorite content creators by removing that middleman. So you'll always have, because it's anonymous, because it's based on blockchain tech, you'll always be able to send support to your favorite creators without the fear of them being, like I said, removed off platforms like Patreon or PayPal, for example. It's a, it's a direct way to support your favorite creators. And again, I have my own reservations about crypto, but it is the way that things are moving now on the internet. It is the way that people are going for a whole bunch of reasons. So, yeah, I've, I have, I did tweet out the referral, Poppy. Poppy's just asking for the referral. Let me go down. There it is. So let me retweet it again, and I'll put it at the top of my timeline. There you go. Should be good to go now. So it is a way to directly support the content creators you like without, you know, uh, giving the power to the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers of Patreon, of PayPal, and other financial institutions on the internet. So there's that reason as well. Another thing I want to quickly discuss is on December 10th, I don't know how many people are aware of this, YouTube's terms of service will be changing. And it's a pretty monumental change, what YouTube is aiming for. And we're going to get into it a little bit. So on December 10th, YouTube's terms of service will encompass this policy they will be able to ban or remove channels from youtube based merely off the fact that somebody at youtube considers it to be not commercially viable now that can that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people and that's exactly the problem because if there was a rule that said you can't say this about this group of people or you can't make X jokes or you can't say this or you can't show violence or something like that, that's easy enough to work around. That's easy enough to plan for. When they use terms like we can remove any channel that isn't commercially viable, that turns it completely into the realm of subjectivity. 
because one person's commercially viable is another person's future star. You see it all the time. You know, there's so many stories of uh, bands and musicians, for example, who are passed up by record labels who end up going down the road and getting signed by another record label and next thing you know, they've sold a million albums. There are comedians and actors who get overlooked for 10 and 20 years. Nobody wants to pick them up. Nobody wants to put them in a show. Next thing you know, they get their big chance. Bang, they're on the they're on the next level. So commercially viable opens the door to random indiscriminate bannings for whatever reason. And you don't ha- you don't have to provide a reason. They can just say, we don't think this channel is commercially viable. Next thing you know, you're out. You're out of there. And I think, you know, it's a couple of things I think we've been talking about on this show for a long time. We suspected that YouTube's uh, eventual plan was to become like a subscription streaming service, like a Netflix, for example, or a Disney Plus. And if you look at like the big channels on YouTube now, it's no longer monkey pissing in his own mouth. It's no longer cat videos. It's CBS. It's ESPN. It's ABC. It's Fox News, right? These are the channels that now dominate like the trending page on YouTube. So they've slowly been just slowly massaging. They've they've offered their YouTube red service, right, for a long time. I feel like they've just been slowly nudging us in this direction. And on December 10th, it could be the time where it's whoosh, now we make it official. But you've got to get rid of the channels that say edgy things. You've got to get rid of the content creators who aren't commercially viable because if they're on your platform, that limits your ability to sell that platform to sponsors who don't want to be associated with that kind of content, right? If that's the way they're going, if they're going full corporate, which myself and many other people suspect is what's happening. It also removes a layer of necessity from YouTube to get rid of people. So now they don't long, they no longer have to prove, not that they had to prove it before anyway, but they no longer have to uh, prove that you were engaged in some kind of hateful conduct. They don't have to argue, you know, they don't have to get into these drawn out arguments, philosophical arguments about free speech anymore because free speech has been taken off the table. That's not the issue anymore. The issue is commercial viability. So it's like, you can have, you can have free speech. You can have all the free speech you want, but we just don't think that we're going to be able to sell your product to an, an, an advertiser. That's why we banned you off YouTube. So just the wording of the terms of service, I think, creates a, a situation where they can remove a layer of responsibility and just ban indiscriminately as they wish. Now, I'm fully aware of my station here. I know that this is a very, very small channel with a very small audience. So I don't suspect that I'll be like the first one up against the wall because they probably I'm probably operating without anybody really knowing that I'm here, which is fine, which is fine by me. It's got, there's going to come a time where they'll work their way down the list and yours truly will also be taken off. After all of the other bigger channels have been gone, uh, they'll get around to Little Boogie Bumper. No doubt about it. If this is the way that they're going. Um, you know, and I just, I want to share something else with you. If you can, if I know it's a pain in the ass to go on um, different platforms. I know it's a pain in the ass to try out new things but DLive right now DLive seems to be the place where 
you know, a lot of these YouTube refugees are going to end up. They seem to treat uh, their treat their content creators better. They seem to not ban indiscriminately. They seem to be a lot fairer in how they deal with people. DLive is a streaming service. And if you can, if you can at all, sign up for a DLive account. Because um, I'm going to be on Periscope as long as I possibly can. I started on Periscope. I know Periscope. The majority of my audience is on Periscope. I'm going to be on Periscope for as long as I can. But what you'll often find is when one of these big companies introduces a rule like this, all of the other companies eventually follow suit. So what will start on YouTube, which is, hello, YouTube. It's a very sm my small uh, collection of YouTube watchers. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> but if, if there is any way that you can sign up for a DLive account, because if it gets to the stage where I'm deemed not commercially viable and I'm taken off, then that's probably where I'll be on Twitch. Uh, on Twitch. Well, I'll be on Twitch for as long as I can as well. I'm on Twitch now. Nobody watches on Twitch though. But DLive will be the place where I'll probably end up. I'm hopeful that BitChute is going to introduce some kind of live streaming option. They said they're going to crowdfund it, and I hope they do because uh, we need some competition here. And like I said, the, the clock is ticking. We're now, what, seven days away from December 10th. DLive. Yep, so DLive.com. Um, I'll show you. This is what the site looks like. So it's DLive.com. And there's already a whole, you can see on the front page, it's mostly gamers and stuff, but there is a whole lot of people on there who have previously been kicked off YouTube or have, have left YouTube. So I know Ethan Ralph is on there for people who like the kill stream. They're there. So that's, this is probably where I'll end up if it gets to that stage where I can no longer stream on YouTube or on Periscope, but I'm going to stay on Periscope for as long as I can. But I, I'm, I suspect there will come a time when you know, the likes of Periscope and other streaming services will follow suit and do exactly what uh, YouTube is doing now. So it doesn't hurt to be prepared. So if you can sign up for a DLive account, follow me at just search for Boogie Bumper. I'm on I'm on DLive. Dr. Sexy has jumped on DLive right now. There she is. <laughs> and DLive runs fine. It runs smoothly. Uh, people seem to like it. So that I just wanted to pass that information on. And there's going to be more coming out about this as we get closer to the end. My only friend, the end. The Brave Browser. Um, you know, sign up for the Brave Browser. Support your favorite creators that way by tipping them directly through the Brave Browser. If your favorite content creators are not approved creators on Brave, tell them to become approved content creators on Brave. It takes it takes very little effort if you uh, produce content to become an approved creator on the Brave Browser. So urge your favorite content creators to get the Brave Browser because it's about creating an ecosystem here. If we can get enough people to start thinking about this differently, if we can get enough people to get off the Google tit, if we can get enough people off the YouTube tit and start creating our own ecosystems away from these companies and away from these platforms, we'll inevitably draw more people in. And if, that, if I can bring, you know, 50 of you with me from Periscope, from YouTube, from Google over to DLive and over to the Brave browser and over to BitChute and these other platforms, then that, I'm happy. That's my contribution to the war effort. I brought 50, I brought 50 soldiers. Another content creator might bring 2,000, but I'm going to try and do my best. And if, if 50, 50 of you want to come, who's coming with me? Let's do that Jerry Maguire moment. 
I'll grab the goldfish. Somebody grab Dorothy Boyd and we will march out of that sports agency today. So who's coming with me? So I just thought that was important. And, you know, my DMs are open to um, anyone I follow, I think. So if I'm following you or you're following me and you've got any questions about the Brave Browser or whatever, you want any help setting it up, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to help. Just get in touch with me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. So further to that, ladies and gentlemen, Susan Wojcicki was on 60 Minutes recently. And this, this should lay it all bare. This should put it all out on the table for you. This should show you exactly what we're dealing with here. Susan Wojcicki was on 60 Minutes and she was being grilled about why aren't they, why aren't they, you know, banning more channels? Why aren't you censoring more people? You know, you know, Susan, there's a lot of dangerous people on YouTube. There's a lot of dangerous content out there. Shouldn't you be doing more? Shouldn't you be getting rid of people? Shouldn't you be censoring more individuals? Don't you have any responsibility? So she was finding very difficult to see, you know, to try. <laughs> Restream chat isn't working on DLive. Well, I, I can see you, Malibu Live. I can see. You. I don't I don't send um, the Periscope chat to all the other channels. Personally, I don't like the look of it. I think it looks too um, icky. And it makes, it makes it difficult for the people on YouTube and DLive to talk to each other when it's just a bombardment of Periscope comments that they can't interact with. So that's just a personal choice for me. I don't like it. Um. <clears throat> So, yeah, she's being harassed. She was finding it very difficult to straddle the fence. She was getting splinters in her vagina because she knows the way that YouTube corporate is moving, but she also doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag too easy. People are signing up to DLive. Thank you very much. Native California 66. Well done. Malibu Live. Uh, Congratulations. Thanks for joining us on DLive. It's an absolute pleasure. Come on board. Jump on in. The water's fine over here. So she's getting splinters in her vagina. She doesn't know what to do. She's got to, she's got to protect the corporate interest, but at the same time, she doesn't want to create like a fear campaign. Well, it's kind of late for that. So I found this piece interesting. This is uh, 60 minutes outtakes. Like this is the 60 minutes overtime that they do at the end of their show. Talking about the interview with Susan Wojcicki. Let's have a look. 60 minutes overtime. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We got an interview with the CEO. I'm such I'm, I'm sorry. I do I do get um sidetracked by the smallest things. <laughs> YouTube doesn't look to me right now to be a happy play. It doesn't look like it's got a very, would you say, positive uh, corporate culture right now. Happy Friday, everybody. And that muted, you know, underwhelming response. Yay. It reminds me of like the office when they're doing the birthday cake for some. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to, you know, respond in kind. It's like when a teacher comes in and addresses six-year-old students. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mrs. Brown. (laughs) All in unison. Like, like all of the, all of the, you know, the passion and the flame has been ripped out of them. Their spirits, their little, you know, six-year-old spirits have already been broken by the school system. 
They've have, they've had any kind of rebelliousness uh, stripped out of them, beaten out of them. <laughs> any kind of creativity has been sapped. That's, this is what this image looks like to me. Happy Friday, everybody. Hey. Happy Friday, Miss Wojcicki. Got an interview with the CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki. The truth is it was hard to put the story together because there were so many avenues and tentacles. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boomer alert. Alarm bells are ringing. Concerned feminist boomer on television has opinions. Susan Wojcicki made it very clear um, that they're not media. Yes. They don't check the facts. That's right. Uh, they say, no, no. We're <laughs> this, this person's amazed by this. I don't know this woman's name, this presenter on 60 Minutes. They don't check the facts? How could they? They tried to say that they're not media. They tried to say that they're not fact checkers. My God, what is going on down there? We're just a platform. Oh. We host users who send us videos. Yep. They are now developing There's policy. Hitler. There's a Hitler reference. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's fact check Hitler then. Oh, wait, wait. Are we allowed to do that? Let's fact check Hitler. How many people died in... Oh, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> we better not fact check Hitler. We wouldn't want the kids fact checking Hitler now. Might discover some very... <laughs> might unearth some very, very inconvenient discoveries about Hitler. <laughs> to curb particularly the spouting of hate. They try to deal with the conspiracy theories. The spouting of hate. They need to curb the spouting of hate, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of medical quackery. They're beginning to try and tame it. Tame it. But for the most part, they say... You cannot tame medical quackery. See see how they use these, like, ambiguous, loose terms as well? Oh, we're trying to tame medical quackery. We're trying to wind back hate. We're trying to deal with it. They never actually come out and say what they're doing. They never actually come out and make a, a specific announcement. It's always these weasel words, this management speak. Oh, we're just trying to tame the medical quackery. What does that mean? Are we allowed to have medical quackery as long as it doesn't bite you in the face? What, what are you talking about here? Are we allowed to talk about anti-vaxxing as long as people don't piss on the rug in their living room? Is that what we're talking about? House training, medical quackery? What the fuck are you talking about? They, we're not a news organization. No. We don't do checking the way we do. We are in the distribution. Let me tell you, if, if they were doing checking the way the corporate media does, we'd be even worse off now. We'd be double fucked <laughs> if there is such a thing. ...of news companies. Um, we don't produce news ourselves. And of course, like someone... You know, out of their garage can upload a video and say their point of view about what happened with the news. But we're not going to recommend that when there's a breaking uh, news event. We're going to recommend companies that we know have a long tradition. See, mm, this is the thing. Why recommend anything then? Why recommend anything at all? Like, because now I'm now you're putting yourself in that middleman in that gatekeeper position, right? 
See, I don't know. Am I am I some kind of dinosaur here? I I should have I would have thought that the most popular videos on YouTube go to the top based on how many people have watched them. Not on what somebody at YouTube decides is an authoritative source. Not based on what somebody at YouTube decides is a reliable news company. Because I don't know how much homework have you done? How much fact-checking? You say you don't fact-check. How do you know that this news source is reliable unless you fact-check? Are you, are you relying on somebody else's fact-checking? Are we outsourcing the fact-checking? See how easy you fall into this fucking chasm? I would have thought the recommended sources, well, no, don't even have recommended sources. Just have a trending page. That's fine. Whatever videos people are watching right now, put that on the front page. Isn't that good enough? No. They've got a gatekeep. They've got a funnel. They've got a funnel clicks and funnel views to the likes of, like we said before, ABC, PBS, ESPN, Fox News, a lot of them. The corporate media complex. And starting on December 10th, they'll be able to ban any channel that they don't deem to be commercially viable, like the likes of MSNBC, like CNN, like Fox News. This is the avenue where we're, you know, sleepwalking down. It's happening in slow motion right before our eyes. I see a lot of people signing up on DLive. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Welcome to the DLive crew, the Cool Kids Club. Fantastic of delivering reliable news. We decide what's on our site, but what we do is we say there are certain types of information that we know are not true and, and it's harmful How do you know? if people get the wrong information. Harmful. Course, harmful. Harmful is in the eye of the beholder. Correct. They come under a section of... Correct. Harmful is in the eye of the beholder. Congratulations. A little bit of light just filtered into this dark corner of the internet. How about that? See, it's almost like you're the bad guy now if you're not easily offended. And this is a, this has fucking annoyed me for years, long long before internet stuff. Can I just rant about things that I hate for a moment? What what the hell is this obsession that people have where they feel offended by something and unless you share the, you know, an adequate level of offense, then you may as well have done the thing that they're offended by. For example, somebody posts something on YouTube or somebody posts something on Twitter. Somebody says to you, oh my God, did you see that? That's so fucking awful. That's disgusting. What do you think? And I say something like, oh, I don't care. I don't care. It's kind of funny. Oh, you're not disgusted by this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> We're like, what's wrong with you? Do you need other people to share in your disgust in order to validate the feeling of disgust? If you don't like it, just fucking move on. Why do you have to rally people to the cause? Why are you coming to me asking me what I think in the first place? I would never go up to you and ask you what you think. I don't care what you think. Relax, man. But no, you need to be just as offended as the original person. Otherwise, you may as well have done the thing. You may as well do it now. There's no difference. So they're always corralling, corralling outrage, trying to tame outrage, tame the beast, get them all in one corner and say, here are the outraged people. You need to be one of them. Otherwise, you're a piece of shit. 
and people go, well, it's not. And then that's when people start to do the weasel language stuff. Well, I mean, it's not something that I would personally do, but, uh, you know, um, you know, people always, uh, you know, there's always constant discussion about what's offensive and what's not. And I can see why this kind of material would be offensive to certain people at some times. You do that in order to placate the outrage people that want to sign you up, that want to put your name down on the on the petition as an, another one of the outraged folk. You don't have to do it. You can just turn to these people and say, uh, I don't, I'm not offended by that. And I, quite frankly, I find your offense a little confronting. <laughs> I think you're a little crazy. And I don't want to talk to you anymore. Can you stand over there, please? Done. Simple of a law called Section 230. Section 230. That means they can't be sued for the material that their users put up. So if you put up a video, they are not liable. Okay, so why are they banning it? And why are they banning people then? Huh? See how 60 Minutes isn't asking all of the questions or at least not asking the right questions? Well, they come under this... They're completely ignoring the obvious points here and just drilling into YouTube needs to ban people. Why? They're not a publisher. They're a platform. They operate under Section 230, which means that they can't be held liable for what people post. It's disgusting. They should be held liable for what people post. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to be asking Susan Wojcicki, if you can't be held criminally liable for what people post, then why are you removing channels off your platform in the first place? Like, isn't that the stark, obvious question that comes to mind? Why are you trying to curb hate? If the hate is not illegal, why are you trying to remove it? Why are you trying to tame the medical crazies? If it's not illegal to be a medical crazy, why are you trying to remove it? You're not a publisher. You can have this stuff on your on your platform. The great trick is pretending like you can't have it. And that's why they have to use these ambiguous terms like taming the medical crazies or we need to curb the hate because they know legally they don't have a fucking leg to stand on. Because they don't have to do it. They can do it, but they don't have to. But they need you to think that they have to. Not that it's a choice, right? And that has enabled, it's basically enabled the internet as we know it. It's enabled, enabled us to the have internet. people upload content, not have every single comment be reviewed, not every single video um, be reviewed. And so it has enabled new types of communication, new types of community, new types of content that we just wouldn't have had beforehand. But it also gives us protection to remove content. That is a really important part of 230. So there's a Good Samaritan clause that the actually good Samaritan us to clause. that is legal under US law, like mature content. We're just good, we're just good fucking people over here. <laughs> we're just the best kind of people. We just need to kick off the non-commercially viable channels because we're such good fucking folks over here at YouTube. We're protecting you. Content. We're protecting you from harm. We're protecting you from hate. Hate. And hate content. So hate it actually content. gives us protections for What the it. hell is hate content? <laughs> We're just banning the hate content, guys. I didn't even know that was a category. 
sign me up. Can I go on to, can I put my little podcast in the hate content category instead of news and commentary or whatever the hell it's in right now? Music, news and commentary, handyman, (laughs) home economics, philosophy, and hate content. All the categories I need. (laughs) For that. Her argument is constantly, we're a site where we give everybody a voice. That's who we are. That is our... How awful. (laughs) How disgusting. But of course, it's a lie. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the lies here. I'm overwhelmed with the bullshit, with the manipulation. Her argument, it's amazing. This person is getting angry at an argument which isn't true. Which isn't true. Her argument is constantly that we're a platform and we give a voice to everybody. That's a lie. (laughs) They are changing the terms of service to make sure that they can kick people off for no reason. Just because they're not commercially viable. Dr. Sexy in the chat, give everyone a voice except those we disagree with. So this person is getting angry at the bullshit line that they give everybody a voice. They're showing you who they are. They are unzipping their fly and letting that big 10-inch life fucker slam on the desk. Bang! You know, we're really annoyed at YouTube because they're not doing enough to kick people off their platform. They're not banning people often enough. It's like a bloodthirsty digital horde carrying pitchforks, chasing people into cornfields. Unbelievable. DNA, that is what we, how we started and how we want to continue. Um, now, there's been a lot of objectionable things that have oh. uh, been posted, oh. and I think that's why. Oh, I find it objectionable. Are we ever going to get to a stage in society and present company is excluded in this little generalized slur, <laughs> just so you know? Because I know the female boomers who watch this show, unfortunately for you, you are fine people, but your comrades, your representatives out there on the world stage are not doing your generation a good service, ladies and gentlemen. Specifically the ladies. Is, are we going to get to a stage anytime soon where we are no longer going to allow civil society to be ruled by the sensibilities of the boomer female? Well, I just think that there is a tremendous amount of objectionable content out there. And I, I would very much like to see this objectionable content be pushed into the caves. I don't think, I don't think we need this kind of material out there floating around on the internet. It's like the last thing that they're going to do before they shuffle off the mortal coil is fuck the internet for us as well. The last space where we can have some kind of semblance of freedom that we, the, the freedom that we used to have where we have the ability to have conversations across continents with different groups of people, with anybody we want. For anybody who wants to tune in, they can tune in right now. And just before they shuffle off that mortal coil, they need to make sure that they jam a big spanner in the works of that too. Just fuck it up before they leave. Okay, we're just going to ruin the internet for you guys because there's too much objectionable content happening here. 
And I think you people need to behave yourselves a little more if possible. Okay, we're going to go die now. See you. Bye-bye. Horrendous stuff. She agreed to give us this interview, mm -hmm. Susan Wojcicki, because she wants the public to know they're trying, trying to curb Curb hate again. Harmful speech. Harmful speech. Hateful speech. We're trying to curb harmful speech. <laughs> yep. Once again, the big 10-inch life fucker just <laughs> onto the desk. Here's who I am. We're trying to pressure YouTube into curbing more harmful speech. We don't think they've done enough. We get angry when they say that they're a platform that gives space to everybody. We know it's a lie, but fuck them anyway. They're far too liberal. <laughs> they give far too much free speech to people that we don't like. 230 says you can't be sued for things that appear on your platform. Mm. So you have a, this huge protection. Yep. I know it allows you to Which run they things, don't but use. look at all the things we've talked about that do get on your platform. Oh that have been harmful. Yes. Which we're removing. Um, and oh, we're removing on. it. And honestly, oh. if, there was, if there was laws that said, this is the type of content you can't have, then we would, rem we would remove it. Just to be clear, because you've asked me so many questions about hate. That's not necessarily something that we're getting any kind of legislation about. That's allowed. That's allowed here in the US. Uh, I <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I feel like they're trying to make us intentionally go insane at this point. This is gaslighting. Hate is allowed, but they 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 admit that they kick people off because they spread hate speech. You need to pick. You need to pick one. Hate is allowed, but we need to curb hate speech. You know, you've been asking me so much about hate. Uh, we allow hate on our platform, but you don't. You don't. You kick, you kick people off if they are reported for hate speech. But there's no law against hate speech. Therefore, we don't do it. But you do. <laughs> They're punching you in the face and saying, stop hitting yourself. Unbelievable stuff. And we are making a decision to be responsible because we think it's important for our society right now. Um, we're allowed. Ah, there it is. There it is. So responsibility is now um, doing something that has no legal basis whatsoever. Responsibility is now deciding for yourself what is harmful, what is not, what is hateful, what is not, what is offensive, what is not, and then just indiscriminately removing people from the public space. The very people, the very users that created your platform in the first place. Sure, you built the software, don't get me wrong, but without the users, without the people uploading videos, there is no fucking YouTube, right? It would just be half a dozen people sitting around in an office talking about this wonderful platform that doesn't exist. That's what YouTube would be without people uploading things to it. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, December 10th is coming. December 10th is just around the corner.
the terms of service will, of YouTube will change and they will be able to remove any channel they wish based on the mere fact that somebody there deems it to be non-commercially viable. And once that happens, we're pretty much all screwed. Every single last one of us. Not just the people who make content, but the people who enjoy it as well. The people who watch it as well. You're, you're in the same boat. You'll be hung out to dry, just like the rest of us. Um, let's get to our immigration thing. But before we do, and thank you to the people who have signed up on DLive. I see a lot of DLive names popping up. Well done, guys. And I know, because it is hard to make the switch. I, I love Periscope. I love the way it works. I love um, using it. And like I said, I started on Periscope. That's where the bulk of my audience is. But just in case it comes to a time when I'm no longer allowed on here for whatever reason, because somebody deems it non-commercially viable, let's be honest, they've got a point. But if that's good enough, then I'll probably end up on DLive. So thank you for signing up. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of great uh, content creators already on DLive too, if you look around. Uh, like, I, like I want to recommend as well, Revenge of the Sis, uh, my without doubt my favorite YouTube show and um, and the two guys from Revenge of the Sis have their own uh, platform as well Daywave for Royce Lopez Nightwave for Mersh always great fun great content so there are a couple I follow Ethan Ralph is on there the kill stream there's a whole bunch of uh, good content creators already on DLive that you can check out right now so that will be the Alamo I suspect when uh you know the youtube mexicans come pouring over the bridge and start you know bombarding the last remaining bastion of freedom on the internet that we can see yes dlive.com mamma mia mamuami so i want to get to this guy i thought this was fantastic this ladies and gentlemen is a guy running for office in chicago in illinois i don't know if he's in chicago he's definitely in illinois uh, Anthony Clark, he's running for office in 2020. He decided this is this is great because this shows you how sensibilities have have changed in such a short space of time. This shows you how politics is changing very, very, very quickly. This guy decided to announce his candidature for office in 2020 by smoking weed. <laughs> Let's have a look. Cannabis. <laughs> there he is. There he is. With a nice fat one. Oh, yeah. Yo, it's like uh, the people of Illinois, like they deserve good representation, but I just, you know, I'm going to be working so hard for the people of Illinois, but first I'm just going to take this hit. Oh, yeah, that's some good shit right there. That's some good shit right there, motherfucker. Weed man, fucking weed man. <laughs> Do it. I I don't know how old most of you are, but I suspect some of you were around during Bill Clinton. I didn't inhale controversy. Do you remember that? Where it was a running story for months and months and months and months. People were trying to figure out whether Bill Clinton inhaled cannabis smoke when he was in college or not. He was like, oh, no, I had, I had a puff on it, but I, I didn't inhale that shit. I didn't need it. I didn't inhale it. I, I just puffed on it, but I didn't inhale it because I wanted to stay straight. Nobody believes it, by the way, 
because anybody who knows anything about Bill Clinton in his younger years knows that he's a coked up party boy who would stick his dick in anything with a pulse and probably take anything that was put in front of him. Like, I kind of feel sorry for Bill Clinton because I don't think he's this evil guy at all. I think Hillary Clinton is the brains of this operation. I think Bill Clinton is, like I said, a coked up party boy who just wanted to play saxophone and get laid. And hey, you know what? God bless you, Bill. God bless you, because that's a dream that's been shared by many a young man growing up for a long, long period of time. Man, if I could just if I could just play jazz, get high and fuck chicks every day, man, that'd be good enough for me. <laughs> but he eventually got pushed into the presidency for God knows why. Didn't stop him from his didn't stop him from his uh, you know, his saxophone playing and his drug taking and his chick fucking, I believe. But I think Hillary Clinton was always like the sinister, intelligent one. Bill Clinton was just the lovable party boy. But that was a big drama once upon a time. Breaking news. We discover that Bill Clinton may have inhaled marijuana smoke 35 years ago when he was in college. How will this affect him politically? And now you have people running for office, smoking weed on camera as they launch their campaign. Isn't it fucking beautiful? <laughs> this is a gateway drug. It opens you up to, and I couldn't disagree more. You know, I do not believe cannabis is a gateway drug. Cannabis is a medicine. Uh, so if you're not it's aware, you know, I'm running for Congress. Uh, oh, my God. I'm running for office. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I don't, I don't. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You got a cough to get off. Yeah, so like, uh, you know, cannabis is like, a, it's like a gateway drug, but it's a gateway to like expansion of your mind and shit, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like a gateway to like uh, other dimensions and shit. It's like a gateway to your own soul. You feeling me? So yeah, I just want to let you know that I'm like running for Congress and shit. Oh my God, so awesome. <laughs> this, is, this is the future of politics. Steal a line from um, Rachel Maddow. This is who we are. This is where we are. Uh, you know, I'm a teacher. I run my own nonprofit. I know clearly I think we're all old enough to remember, you know, Bill Clinton uh, when he was asked about his cannabis use hey! and you know, what he said, I did not inhale. And for me, you know, again, I'm not a special person. I'm just a normal, everyday individual that I think is just tired of status quo, tired of the oppression that exists, and I'm fighting back. But I think if we really want to make change and if we have a platform. If we really want to make change, we need to get off our tits. That's what we need to do. All of a sudden, the problems aren't that big of a problem anymore. Congressman, Congressman, how do you propose to make the trains run on time? I don't know, man. Just like fucking get high and take an Uber or some shit, man. <laughs> what are you asking me for? <laughs> Congressman, aren't you paid to make the trains run on time? I don't know. I'm paid to show up. It's what I'm doing. It's what I'm doing here. Yo, man, why don't you chill out? You know what? You need to get on this. Why don't you take a hit on that? That's some good shit right there. Yo, why y'all got to be yelling at each other all the time? Come on, man. Just fucking chill out, bro. Going to put some Star Wars on and shit. Yo, you got some Cheetos? Yeah. You just have to be courageous with your platform. You know, you just have to be yourself. 
So I think I have to be just as open about my cannabis use, you know, because lying to individuals, I think, plays I like a direct role in enabling status quo. I like it. I, I like him. And I, it's, not, it's nothing to do with the weed thing. I just like, I like that. Yeah, if you're going to run for office, you better be open with who you are. So I get fucking high every day, man. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like, now try and hold it against him. He'll probably fucking win. In enabling, again, the oppressors, the top 1% to remain. We have to empower Ooh, ourselves. The oppressors. <laughs> Do you know what the oppressors would really like? 99% of the population being so doped out that they don't actually care about anything important. That's what the oppressors would really like, sir. Just to be fair, I like you. I like you, but I think you're looking at this all wrong. If the if the 1% could get the 99% so drugged out of their minds that all they care about is, you know, the next edition of Game of Thrones or something and which pizza they're going to order, then they win, right? We have to educate ourselves. So educate I don't hide yourself. this at all. You know, I tell people on a daily basis, cannabis saved my life. It continues to save my life. Look at this concerned voter. Look at this concerned individual. I, I have some questions about... Um, you know, your record and how you're going to govern in your seat in Illinois. It's like, chill out, man. It's all going to be okay, brother. It's like we are all like part of the earth and shit, you know? It's like we are all like one, we are all like one people and shit, man. It's like we got to come together and we, we smoke together. It's like a beautiful, it's like a beautiful thing, man. So it's like, you know, the 1%, they don't want us like talking like this. They don't want us uh, connecting on these, uh, you know, these subterranean levels on, on the, uh, on the plane of, uh, like intellectual thought and shit. They don't want us doing that, bro. They don't want us making those connections, those bonds, those life bonds. But like you, you, you know, you can feel humanity breathing right now and it's breathing so hard. It's breathing for change. And the oppressors just know that if they stomp us down, and keep our weed from us that we ain't going to be like in the right mental space to be able to come at this like le le legitimately. You know, you feeling me, bro? You seeing what I'm saying here? You understanding me shit? Um, can I, can I have a toke on that, please? Is that okay? That's the only reason I came here. That's, that's why I got the invite. They said there's free weed here. I don't know. Are you running for office or something? I feel like we need more individuals that aren't riding the current wave that exists. The, of, the, you know, the waves of existence, and, yes! The waves of existence! Holy shit! <laughs> uh, you know, centrism, and we can't rock the boat. We have to... No, this is war, you know? And I'm going to be on this. It's war. And nothing nothing gets you in the mood for war like sucking on a big fat one. Side. Well, this no, not the right thing. I'm not right side. I use my right hand. I'm going to be on this side. I only just noticed that there is a big glass bong on the table. <laughs> and he's live streaming it. <laughs> this is part of that, you know, uh, legalization with a focus on racial justice is a direct part of building great. Legalization with a focus on racial justice. Ah, why did you have to bring the racial justice into it, man? Can't we all just get high and shit? Equality in our country. Uh, so just for me, I just think it's extremely important to be honest as a political candidate. I think that's really good. So I feel like for a long time, politics.
That's like, that's like really good, man. Wouldn't even talk about cannabis or advocate for criminal justice reform in regards to- <laughs> Populate in the chat. This is war. Let's get fucked up. Cannabis because they would bring themselves into scrutiny about whether or not they used cannabis. Right. Um, like with your identity groups too, like I'm sure that that's opening so many doors for people to like be okay with using cannabis with themselves and like the whole internal battle of like I, I hope that this is the future of political commentary. I want to see conversations like this on CNN. Instead of the shit they talk about now, oh impeachment, oh taxes, oh you know, oh immigration, yeah, 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 yeah. Forget about all that. I just want to see three stoners sitting around enjoying weed and talking about solving the world's problems. Like, um, you know, being scared of stigma validly um, on like an oppression level and then just like um, interconnected relationships level too. Right. So like that's... His eyes are glassy as fuck, man. So good that you're doing that with your platform as well because... Put some Visine in before you launch your electoral campaign, sir. Where's his team? Where are his handlers? I mean, like humans create... It's okay to be high, just don't look overly high. ...culture, so the fact that you're normalizing it is mm. amazing. So amazing, bro. So amazing. Well done. The weed president of 2024. He's got my vote. Of course, I can't vote. I'm too fucking high, man. <laughs> That's that's the great irony of all this. All of the people who really support the guy won't be voting because they're too fucking lazy. Because they're going to wake up in the morning and hit a bong and just be like, oh, I'll just go later. No, I'll just go later. I'm just going to have some lunch first. I just, uh, you know, I just don't really feel like I want to do anything today. I just want to chill at home, man. Hey, shouldn't we go vote for our weed guy? Somebody else will do it, man. It's cool. Just want to want to have another hit. Yeah. Awesome. And then later at night, it's going to be like, the weed the weed candidate lost. And they're going to be like, ah, oh, man, that sucks. Oh, well. Want to get high? <laughs> the poor guy. The poor guy. The thing that makes him electable is the thing that makes him unelectable at the same time. All right. Got a couple of articles here for you. The voice is starting to strain, so... Ooh, weed, man. All right, let's get into it. The main topic of discussion for today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to the Daily Boogie podcast. I thought this was just fucking delicious. This is dripping in deliciousness. This, the article-wise, this is like a this is like a deep-fried hamburger in Scotland. It's got so much fat on it and so much cholesterol that it's a heart attack just by opening the packet. California's changing demographics will further doom Republicans. This is printed in the LA Times, by the way. Not known for its sympathetic view of Republican Party politics. Democrats dominate politics in California and Republicans are doomed for one simple overriding reason. Shifting demographics, ladies and gentlemen. Shifting demographics. Uh, point of point of privilege. For the longest time, a whole bunch of people have been saying that when you introduce mass immigration, it will change the political system. Now, they try to railroad this conversation by making it all about race. Is the changing 
political culture to do with race? The answer is yes and no. Let me explain. The reason that in Western countries we have the system that we do is because it originally started in Europe for a whole bunch of reasons. People point to things like it would snow half of the year, so you had to grow everything in the other half of the year. That meant that you had to store the things, and that meant that people would have, they had to come up with some kind of currency in order to exchange goods or services for the food and put value on the food when you couldn't grow it all year round, right? Which created markets, which created economics. And then in turn created like freedom because you need to be free to be able to move around. You need to be free to engage in contractual arrangements with other people. Next thing you know, you've got the free market system. Gave birth to capitalism, right? So little things like that. The way that, um, you know, European tribes used to interact with each other, clans and stuff back then. The way power, the way government was structured is very Eurocentric. The whole idea of freedom of speech is a very Eurocentric idea. It doesn't really exist anywhere else in the world because everywhere else in the world had their own cultural experience throughout human history, right? This is why you should always be very wary of uh, professors and politicians who say that uh, universities need to stop teaching a Eurocentric view of history. Be very wary of that because if you don't teach a Eurocentric view of history, then you won't be teaching individual liberty. You won't be teaching free marketism. You won't be teaching free speech. You won't be teaching all of the cultural foundation stones which make our countries our countries. You'll be teaching something else. Something that isn't in the cultural makeup of the countries we now live in, be it the United States, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, the Anglosphere, for want of a better word, right? So is it about race? Yes and no. It's about race, but only in so much as the people of Europe have white skin because of, you know, uh, evolution or whatever. But it's based on the fact that white people came from Europe. If black people came from Europe and brought their european ideas it would be the black people in africa like the it would be the it would be the mexicans it would be another race entirely who would have the same ideas but it just so happened that it was the europeans who came up with this system of government with that school of thought and philosophy so when we talk about mass immigration from other countries yes we're talking about other races but we're talking about people who come from countries that do not have the cultural um, history that Europeans have and treat government in a completely different way. The relationship between the governed and the governors is completely different in countries historically, which are not European countries, right? So that's where it becomes about race. So when you introduce, when you change the demographics of a country, like say in the United States, so in the 1960s, it was 90% white European ancestry to now being 60% white, uh, white European ancestry and 40% mixed. You know, I think it's like 30% Latino, I think, right? You bring in also the cultural ideas and the way that government should function from those other parts of the world as well. So, of course, it's going to change politics. 
of course it's going to change politics because you're changing the the makeup of the people in the country and that makeup of people views politics in a completely different way historically than what other people have so it's, it's of course it's going to change in short the GOP's core constituency is white people and they're a declining slice of the Californian population pie. Conversely, Democrat-backing Latinos and Asian-Americans have been expanding their slices. Again, this remember, this is the LA Times. The pattern is projected to continue, although at a slower pace, so the raw numbers won't be getting any better for the already weakened California GOP. They're openly admitting that mass immigration is being used as a tool to uh, suppress one side of politics. Now, people have been saying this for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30, for 50 years, people have been saying this, that mass immigration is used as a political weapon. The Romans used to do it to the, to the countries that they dominated. They would invade a country, take out all of the people who disagreed with them politically and put their own people in. Next thing you know, in 30 or 40 or 50 years, all of the people all agree that Rome is great. Ain't that the darndest thing? Isn't it funny how that works? Republicans are heading into a demographic cul-de-sac, says longtime Democratic strategist Bob Shroom, director of the Jesse M. Unra Institute of Politics at USC. This is not just in California, but nationally. It's happening here first, but it'll tend to happen around the country. Republican guru Mike Murphy, who has worked on six presidential campaigns and managed several gubernatorial races, including former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's in 2003, says the Republican Party does great with white voters, particularly older white voters, but they're shrinking as part of the electorate. California is the future. This is a quote. It tends to be more non-Caucasian than most states, but we're heading into that for the rest of the nation. And how are Republicans doing in California? They've got to figure out how to compete here or it's the ice age. Democrats in California, ladies and gentlemen, are openly stating that thanks to mass immigration, thanks to democratic, uh, demographic shifts, they are going to be able to consign the Republican Party to the dustbin of history. That's their plan. And they are celebrating that plan. Now, if you are a Republican-leaning individual, if you are somebody who has sympathies with the Republican cause, if you come out and say the exact same thing, like, say, supporters of Nick Fuentes have been doing at Turning Point USA events over the last month or two, if you come out and say the exact same thing that the Democrats are openly admitting in publications like the LA Times, you will be accused of being a Nazi. You will be accused of being a racist. Isn't, isn't it cute how the people who are benefiting from the mass immigration and demographic shift in places like California, the people who are directly benefiting from it, that being the Democrat Party and its, you know, and its cohorts, are the very same people who accuse people of bringing up that very issue that they admit to of being a racist. Isn't that cute? Well, we're, we're very hopeful that the demographic shifts are going to consign the Republican Party to the dustbin of history. Um, yeah, hi, I'm a Republican and I'm concerned that demographic shifts are going to end the Republican Party. Shut up, you racist! <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it just dripping with irony? 
Andrew Jackson's Tank Pinochet. Thank you for joining us, sir. Professor John Glubb wrote a very specific paper about this, the rise and fall of empires, and the onslaught of immigration is a massive piece of the puzzle. Of course, it always has been. It always has been. Uh, Maverick says, looking at uh, article online, seems their data cited is from the 1990s. Well, that's the thing. It's actually accelerated now. Through 1990s to now, mass immigration has increased and not decreased. Demographics are an eye glazer, but California's historic shift has been a political game changer. Again, this is the LA Times. The state has turned from battleground purple to one-sided deep blue in 25 years. You can also tip your hat to Ronald Reagan for that, by the way. It's not solely, arguably, not even mostly because of the 1994 Republican-backed anti-illegal immigration initiative, Proposition 187. The measure usually gets the credit or blame depending on one's politics. The initiative would have denied most public services, including schooling to people living here illegally. Voters approved it in a landslide, but federal judges tossed it out. No question, the harsh campaign pitch for Proposition 187 angered and frightened millions of Latinos, turning them even more against the GOP. Again, do I, do I need to point it out? So the fact that the Republicans did not want to give free stuff to people in the country illegally uh, angered the people who weren't getting the free stuff and turned them against the party who didn't want to give them the free stuff. Hey, let's bring in more of those people. Here's an idea. Here's How about we brainstorm this at the ne next Democrat Party meeting? Why don't we bring in more? <laughs> Why don't we bring in more of the people who hate the Republicans because they don't want to give other illegal people more free shit? That's a great idea, Johnson. How the hell did you come up with that? He's a fucking genius, this guy. Today, six of eight wide, uh, statewide elected officials are people of colour. Three are Latino, two are Asian-American, one is African-American. All eight are Democrats. Republicans haven't elected a statewide official since 2006. Democrats hold supermajorities in both legislative bodies and own California's U.S. House delegation 46 to 7. Yeah. Yep. It's looking good, isn't it? Huh? It's looking good. God bless demographic change. God bless diversity and tolerance. And again, it's not so much the the race that concerns me it's the fact that you now have a party which is openly stating that they want to abolish the first amendment abolish the second amendment they don't want any kind of immigration control uh philosophically they want to push socialism and communism in school rather than uh libertarianism and free marketism and individual rights get taken up get put to a back seat to collective rights this is the party that's going to be dominating that space for the foreseeable future and thanks to mass immigration, bringing in a whole bunch of people from cultures which adhere more to the collectivist mindset than the individualist mindset, you're going to basically guarantee that the political system is going to change to reflect the view of the people that you bring in, as long as you bring in enough of them. In all Western nations, not just the United States, but in all Western nations, um, some populations, Australia, for example, the Australian population has increased 50% over the last 40 years. 50% through mass immigration. 
now uh, inner city suburbs where it used to be toss-up seats are just um, booked in for Labor every single election. High immigrant uh, areas are Labor areas now. If you're a conservative, good luck. You won't win. You can run, but you will not win. You will get smashed. I've, I've, I live in like one of the most highly populated immigrant areas, a very safe, a safe left seat. And I can tell you election after election, standing behind people holding cards in their native language, whether it's Chinese or Arabic or something, how to vote Labor. And it's not even written in English. So you do have to wonder how much of the political conversation can you absorb in a country where you don't speak the native language? Like I could move to Japan and have a view on politics, but my view is going to be tainted by the fact that 99% of the conversation about politics, I don't understand. I'm just going to have to rely on people to tell me which politician is the best one to vote for, which politician said what. Even in the age of translators and even in the age of, uh, you know, multilingual newspapers and stuff like that, it's still nowhere near good enough. It's still nowhere near close enough. You still can't absorb yourself in the conversation. All of these factors play into it. And when people want to just jump on the thing and say, oh, well, it's just about race. Well, it is about race in some respects, but it's not just about race. That's the problem. And it's about race in so much as where people come from and where people come from in so much as what kind of system are they historically used to and so much as what kind of system would they historically like to live under in so much as how is that so much different from the systems that Western nations have been built upon? And now would you like those systems that Western nations are built upon to fundamentally change? That's the real question. That's why mass immigration is potentially a very big problem. Because this, what we have here, could disappear and never come back. Another article here from The Atlantic. How America ends. A tectonic demographic shift is underway. Can the country hold together? I, I wish my voice wasn't failing on me because I'd like to do this more in depth but I might have to cut it a little bit short. But I do definitely want to address a couple of manipulations, very obvious to me, very subtle manipulations to most people, I suspect, but they're there. <clears throat> Let me just take another sip here. Ah. Democracy depends on the, consent, on the consent of the losers. For most of the 20th century, parties and candidates in the United States have competed in elections with the understanding that electoral defeats are neither permanent nor intolerable. The losers could accept the result, adjust their ideas and coalitions, and move on to fight in the next election. Ideas and policies would be contested, sometimes viciously, but however heated the rhetoric got, defeat was not generally equated with political annihilation. The stakes could feel high but rarely existential. In recent years, however, before the beginning of the election of Donald Trump and accelerating since, that has changed. <laughs> Cliff Jump said, save it for tomorrow. Maybe I should save it for tomorrow, actually, because it is a very long piece. Look at this. We've got a lot to get through. But it, it does go into the arguments that we were just making. And I do want to address some glaring, 
um, overt manipulations in this piece where they're, they're trying to present um, an objective view, but they're doing it in such a manipulative way. They can't help themselves but be partisan. They can't help but uh, dance on the grave of Western civilization, you know, in a kind of a boot scoop manner. So I think I will save it for tomorrow because the voice is failing me. And we might wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me to save it for tomorrow, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Um, and quick reminder, follow our friends at real person, PLTCS at ChrisMC44 at YCensored underscore. Don't forget, if you can do, please sign up for a DLive account. Follow me at Boogie Bumper. Um, also follow the guys on DLive, ROTC, Revenge of the Sis, Nightwave Radio, Daywave Radio, who do a great job. And again, uh, shout out to Mersh for, um, you know, getting the ball rolling on this Brave Browser thing, doing great work, important work, and trying to protect content creators against what's coming in the not too distant future where it looks like everybody's going to be screwed by uh, Susan Wiz, uh, Wojcicki's uh, strap-on. So thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to The Daily Boogie. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.